Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Down. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols and Doghouse on the line after the Nationals. 5-4 win in the nation's capital. They beat the Philadelphia Phillies on a walk-off home run by Trey Turner. Dave, I, <laughs> Dusty Baker said last week that you don't know what to expect from these guys, but when you get what you're getting from Trey Turner, you just accept it. He had his seventh home run earlier in the game, uh, two-run home run in the seventh, put the Nationals up 4-1. to one. The Phillies tied it at four, so he had to do it again. Two outs in the ninth, he takes a fastball to deep center field in Nationals Park for a walk-off home run, uh, seventh home, seventh and eighth home runs in 52 games after he hit six total in 83 at AAA this season, 340-something average on the year at this point, just continues to hit the ball. and <laughs> The home run power is a big surprise to me. I, I thought he had some pop, but he really turns on some pitches and hitting one out the straight center on this on this last one is just really impressive power by Trey Turner. Yeah, you know, if you extrapolate his stats out over a full season at this point, he'll be hitting 343 with 22 home runs and uh, uh, 65 stolen bases. So uh, that's pretty good. And who's to say he can't hit 343 his entire career? Um, you know, reading the scouts' reports on Trey Turner coming up, uh, obviously the speed was what jumped out at everybody. Uh, the contact ability certainly uh, drew mentions, but uh, there were there were scouting reports that say you know this guy is probably going to be a, a ten to fifteen home run hitter, and everybody looks at him and he's you know five ten maybe one hundred and sixty five pounds maybe, and you wonder where that's going to come from. He certainly doesn't have the the big bulging muscles or anything, but um, he just he generates just incredible uh, backspin. Um, especially when he's swinging at fastballs. And it's just really impressive um, to, to just to watch the physics at work. Um, the, home, the first home run he hit right down the line, uh, you know, he hit that pretty good. Uh, the one in center field, though, I mean, that, that's, that's places where, you know, where Bryce Harper and, and, and Ryan Zimmerman when he was in his prime, um, you know, Adam Dunn, guys like that, you know, that's where those guys live. And, um, and, and to see him do that, and the one earlier this, this year where where he almost hit the radio booth there on the concourse, uh, it's just it's really fun and impressive to watch this kid play every day, to hit, um, to see the surprising pop that he's got, and um, you know, obviously a lot of hyperbole floating around on the social medias tonight, but um, Trey Turner is one of the most, if not the most important player the Nats have going right now. Um, Bryce Harper's back in a slump. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. You know, Jason Worth has been been steadily productive, but uh, Trey Turner is now the engine that makes this team go. And um, you know, it's just uh, and and this might be the last time I harp on it, but it's just sad that the that Nats fans and, and the Nats organization uh, were deprived of seeing him from this on this team from day one because he was one of the best players coming out of spring training, and they left him behind because of money. Doug, you you asking, <laughs> I'll just say this for the last time as well. They kept him down exactly as long as they needed to for him to do what he's doing now. I don't know if you know this about him, Doghouse, but he walked more than he K'd in college as well, 116 walks, 94 Ks in three seasons at NC State. Two home runs tonight. He took a first-pitch fastball for a ride in the seventh inning, if I remember correctly. 
two-run blast at that point. Comes back with a nine-pitch at bat there in the ninth, uh, battling this Phillies reliever. Berman, was it at that point? Yes. And uh, just, uh, you, I'm sure you had a nice view out the center of how far he actually hit that one, but an absolute blast, 345 average on the year, uh, which is tied with Daniel Murphy. <laughs> Much fewer games than at bat, but still impressive. Two for five on the night, three RBIs, two home run game for Trey Turner. Turner just continues to disappoint the way he is wasting his skills like this. He's a fast guy. He's a speed player. He should be trying to hit the ball on the ground. I, I don't know More what bumps. he's doing with, with, with this. Yeah, okay. So I, I can't even set up. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. All, all the superlatives Dave, Dave said earlier, he continues to impress. And when he hit that ball out the center, holy cow. Because yeah, just a couple batters before him, uh, or right before him, Robinson had hit one out that way, and it died on the track. This one, you know, up next to the vent on the on the wall next to the batter's eye back there in the President's Race staging area. Holy cow! The farthest one that we've seen Harper hit was only a little bit farther back. I mean, it was okay, higher up and farther back, but this is straight over the 402 mark, and then like. 10, 12 feet up on the wall. That was a big boy home run. Of course, when he hit the, the 106.7 hut, that was, that was a pretty far hit too. Uh, it's really astonishing. These are not speed guy home runs. This is, this is not joking about Span and his old man power because he gets a wall scraper, you know, or, or uh, Ben Revere putting one barely over the railing. These are legit power hitter looking home runs. And how a little wiry guy like that generates so much boom is just a delight to watch, especially since the actual speed game part of his game is something he's good at because he, he's going to get the power numbers out of finding the gaps, taking the extra base, being blazing fast. We've seen that. It's, it's fun to watch. All parts of this kid's game are delightful to watch the top, the speed, the D, it's, it's all there. I'm just glad they left him down in the minors long enough to learn to play center field. <laughs> all three games of it that he got. <laughs> uh, Dave, Mike Rizzo was on the uh, Sports Junkies the other day as well, talking about this trade. I'm trying to pull up the quotes here. Uh, he just talked about how it was a winter meeting. Uh, at, at the winter meetings, they discussed it. We got in some conversations with A.J. Preller, the San Diego GM at that point. He was new. They were doing a lot of the things this offseason. They were trying to revamp their ball club. Uh, he said they knew him long beforehand. They liked him out of the draft before he went to the Padres, but the Nationals had, were much further down that year, so they didn't have a chance to get in him. But you bring him up, you trade, change positions to center. He makes the adjustment there. He's played a good center so far. I missed play the other night on that ball high off the wall, but for the most part, he's played a solid center. He leads the team in steals already. Uh, that trade just, you know, Will Myers is having a great season out there for the Padres who are back into a rebuilding mode again, unfortunately, for Padres fans. But uh, even with Joe Ross hurt at this point and working his way back, this trade just looks better and better for the Nationals every day and just has me wondering why anyone ever trades with Rizzo in his front office. Oh, and it's going to continue to look good for the next, you know, five to seven years for as long as they've got Turner and, and Joe Ross, you know, under control. Um, yeah, you know, you feel a little bit uh, uh, for the Padres there. Obviously, Will Myers is a good player, and 
Um, you wonder a little bit what Tampa Bay was doing, uh, only netting Steven Souza Jr. out of the deal. Um, because the Nets, as far as I'm concerned, got you know got at least the best player to come out of the deal, and probably you know two of the best three, obviously. So, um, yeah, it's just it, it, it's tough to watch a former prospect go to another team and flourish like this. But uh, the Nets obviously reap the benefits, and um, you know as we've seen this offense the last couple of years, when the, when the leadoff hitter is getting on base, it, it's a lot better, and that's really kind of a dumb statement because that could be said about any team. But when Spam was going well, the offense went. Um, now that Trey Turner is is on the team and is hitting that leadoff spot and getting getting his hits and getting on base and and smacking a power hitter type home runs. Um, this offense looks a lot better, and, and and it's going to. I mean, Trey Turner is legit, and whether he sticks in center field and the Nats go out and get a shortstop next year, or you know whether he sticks in center field, the Nats stick with Danny Espinosa at shortstop next year, or they move him back to short and get a center fielder. Either way, he's going to be in that leadoff spot, uh, generating offense, and, and just generally being a lot of fun to watch for the Nats for the next very few seasons. Yeah, uh, 364 on base percentage at the top of your lineup is good. Definitely helps out considering what they were getting from uh, Michael A. Taylor and Ben Revere beforehand. Uh, Doghouse on the mound for the Nationals tonight didn't factor in the decision, but Tanner Roark, another solid start, 3-0, and 0-6-4 ERA, and four starts versus the Phillies before tonight. Uh, started six of the Nationals' ten shutouts this season, as they noted in their uh, pregame notes. Down one nothing after three and a half. Freddie Galvis drives in a run with an RBI single. Only run he allowed on six hits in six innings, though. 107 pitches, a little up there, but eight Ks, eight ground outs. Another solid start uh, from Tanner Roark on the mound. No, even on a, a an outing like this, where he seems like he really doesn't have it, uh, maybe he was sort of pitching effectively wild tonight, and uh, you know, a couple of hit batters. I was. Kind of wonder what's going on there. If there was there was some beef, maybe. Uh, but even in spite of the seeming ineffectiveness, he still made it work. Uh, and uh, a bunch of the the offense the Phillies did manage to put together was again crazy bad with the hits like the other night with the Braves. Uh, and considering all the hard hit balls the Nats had tonight, uh, especially for Zim, man, my heart goes out to him that were right at people uh, and, and, you know, weakly hit corkscrewing grounders on the other side, finding improbable holes. It was uh, that he was able to overcome that and just give up the one run, I, I think was, uh, but let's, let's chalk that up to his intangibles and intestinal fortitude and blah, blah, blah. And, oh yeah, also being a pretty good pitcher. <laughs> just pulling up a quick quote here. An actual uh, Masson's Dan Colco tweeting an actual quote from Tanner Roark about Trey Turner. He's a gamer and a fighter. He's perfect. That just about says it all. Uh, he had to come up with a hero shot there, Dave. However, uh, Blake Trinan after the Nationals took a 4-1 lead, uh, 15 pitch, one two three seventh. Dusty Baker goes to Cody Glover again in the eighth, giving him another high leverage spot. He struggles this time, however, hit by a pitch, a uh, walk, and one out later, a three-run home run by Cameron Ruff, who absolutely destroyed a 2-0 sinker, put it over the left field bullpen, tied it up at four at that point. Uh, I love everything I've seen from Glover so far. It didn't look too sharp tonight, but I, I do like that Dusty Baker keeps on giving them those high-leverage spots, and you have 
you know, the seventh and eighth pretty much locked down when they have a lead, uh, trying into Glover or whatever lefties they need in the mix there, and then Melanson. Yeah, you know, Glover's been good, and, and it's really kind of a remarkable story the way that he has progressed through the organization to uh, actually pitch meaningful innings in a, um, you know, in a stretch run of a pennant race. So uh, it's hard to, to give him a hard time for, for one outing tonight. Uh, um, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes you get the bull and sometimes the bull gets you. So uh, you just kind of d- dismiss it. It was, it, was, it was kind of a bummer there, you know, the Nats, uh, didn't generate a whole lot of offense when Roark was in the game. And then they take the lead, and you figure, okay, the Phillies are just going to fold. Um, and then Glover, uh, Glover struggled, and, and the game ends up tied there. But um, it's just a good thing that Nats have Trey Turner to win games for them. Uh, we didn't do the show yesterday, so we didn't get to talk about the big news out of Nats town. The Nats win 5-4 to four tonight, 83-58 and 58 on the year after the win. But they did learn yesterday, Steven Strasburg, uh, I said good, bad news in the article I wrote about it today. He doesn't have a torn UCL, as a lot of people were worried. He does have a strain of the flexor mass in his right uh, forearm, or arm, I should say, elbow, whatever. Uh, big question I have, though, is going into heading towards the postseason, this is not a jinx. Uh, you would think that it was going to be Max Scherzer, Strasburg, and Tanner Roark as the top three in the rotation. Gio Gonzalez maybe four there, but I just wondered what each of your thoughts were going forward now that it looks like Strasburg's going to be out for a while, uh, whether or not he's going to be able to come back and contribute anything after missing time on the DL, coming back, and then going back out now with the latest injury. Uh, Dusty Baker said, I tell you who comes into play big time, guys like A.J. Cole, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and even more importantly, Gio Gonzalez. Uh, do you trust Gio Gonzalez in a game three of a postseason matchup at this point? Uh, what do you think the Nationals do with the rotation if Strasburg's unavailable going forward? Boy, this this is where I'm glad that I am not uh, a GM or a manager. Uh, this is – you basically have – two definite spots in the rotation filled for, for uh, a potential playoff rotation. And then you've got a, a perfectly serviceable number four regular season pitcher you can put in there. And then a whole series of question marks. I, I think it's just going to come down to who is ready and actually pitches a little bit in the end of September and is stretched up and out to make a start. Uh, that That's going to, I think determine it. It's whoever looks the healthiest is going to be the guy that slots in at, at number four. And I think you kind of have to go with Gio because he's the only, he's the third healthiest starter. So <laughs> like it or not, he's, he's going to be in that playoff rotation. It seems like yeah, should, should such a thing become necessary, knocking on wood. Um, averted. Yeah. Or else, you know, you're going to have to do something crazy and, and just, totally whacked out like you know pieced together a game out of three innings of AJ Cole and three innings of Lopez and three innings of Joe Rosh or something you know weird and nonlinear like that that you know every every year I feel like Dave Cameron has an article about on fan graphs about how teams should really just give this a try once you know maybe it'll turn out that the Nats have to resort to some craziness like that I, I doubt that would happen I I'm not sure if I'd want to see that either but, uh, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that's got to be going through people's minds because, you know, two healthy good starters at this point and a third if you had the mediocre. Dave, your yeah, thoughts on the Strasburg? 
Uh, yeah, I, I I will confer. Uh, the first three spots, you know, belong to Scherzer, Roark, and, and Geo. And then, honestly, if they if they need a fourth guy, and I can't believe I'm saying this at this point, but I feel most comfortable with AJ Cole in that spot. I think he has given the Nets <laughs> the most consistent effort out of the three rookies between Lopez and Giolito at this point. Cole, to me, gives them the best chance to win it in, a, in, a, in the fourth game of the playoff series. Um, I don't think you can trust Lucas Giolito. I think his velocity uh, and his release points are just making a, a huge question mark. I think Ronaldo Lopez has probably the highest ceiling of the three right now, but I think he probably also has the lowest low of the three. Um, I think you probably you're looking for consistency here, and, and if that's what you're looking for, then it probably goes to A.J. Cole. Uh, the problem is, talking about uh, Doghouse's three-headed monster starter, is that I don't think that you can carry all of them during a playoff series. I think you need to have three lefties, especially if they're going to be if they draw the Dodgers in the first round, they're going to need lefty arms in the pen. So I don't know that you can carry five candidates for the fourth spot in the rotation if they're all right-handed pitchers. I just I don't think they can carry uh, Cole, Lopez, Giolito, Ross. Um, I don't I don't think I don't I, maybe two of those four make a postseason roster, but I don't think you can carry all of them. Well, if they do make the postseason, we're pretty sure Max Scherzer will get the ball in game one. He gets the ball tomorrow night as well. Scherzer versus Eichhoff in the third and four with the Phillies in Nationals Park. Nationals 83-58 and 58 after the win tonight. 7 5 again tomorrow night. We'll talk to you guys after that game. Go Nats.